This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hi, everybody. Cheryl from Unleashed. Welcome back to the show. Today, I am pleased to have the honor of having Joel Silverman. He's a celebrity trainer, host of Good Dog You on Animal Planet, and so many more things. Hi, Joel. Thanks for coming on. Thanks a lot for having me. I'm going to pick your brain today because I got a new puppy, a big new puppy. But let's tell my listeners a little bit about you because you have a whole list of things that you have uh, acquired, learned, and have done. Yeah, well, you know, as a dog trainer, you're, you're, I always tell people your past always teaches people about really who you are because we all come from different worlds. There's so many different aspects and things that you can do as a dog trainer. But actually, I grew up as a marine mammal trainer. I started working at SeaWorld, picking up trash to become a trainer. That was my dream. Started picking up trash at 16 years old and um, eventually got hired as a trainer. And um, started doing the, um, you know, the shows and everything, dolphin, sea lions, and killer whales. Spent a lot of time in the water with killer whales. And I, um, you know, got done with that in the, probably the early 80s and moved back up to LA, started doing the animal show at Universal Studios, which got me into training dogs, cats, and birds in the live shows. But at the time, we also did um, movie work as well. So we would kind of ping pong back and forth between doing the live show and, and Universal Studios. So right on, on the lower lot right there and Warner Brothers, is real close to where we were, they were filming. So we were, uh, we would constantly get called for, you know, for jobs and things like right. that. You did Dreyfus from the Golden Girls, right? Empty Nest, Empty Nest. We were a spinoff of Golden Girls. We were like their neighbors, but we were, yeah. So Empty Nest was a spinoff of Golden Girls. And we were on, you know, Bear was on. He crossed over a few times on the show and stuff. So that was one of my credits. I mean, I've done a lot of, you know, movie work, movies, TV shows and commercials I did. Um, you did that ATM machine where your dog pulled out the receipt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did a Chase Bank commercial with my dog, Duchess. That was me in the commercial. I was kind of featured in the commercial and stuff too. But so what happened was I got a chance to host a, a about um, in 1999, I got contacted from Animal Planet to host a new show. Animal Planet was fairly new at the time. It was called Good Dog You. And I did that show. That show aired for about 10 years. And then I did another TV series called What Color Is Your Dog? And it was a syndicated show as well. And that aired for another, you know, two or three years too. And um written, you know, written five books on dog training, sold a lot of DVDs, VHS videos, and people are old enough to remember those dog training DVDs. And, um, and just recently in the last two years, what I'm doing right now is I launched a tour with two other dog trainers. We're three of the probably top draws in America, probably. And uh, we do these, these workshop tours in hotel, huge hotel ballrooms all across the United States. And that's kind of a, my corporation kind of, kind of goes to my corporation. So it's kind of a full-time job. So that's kind of really what I spent a lot of my time doing. I looked that up because like I said, I had somebody that I wanted his dog because they live in that area. They wouldn't have to stay at the hotel, but they could at least go and join. So you're saying it still has an opening. Yeah. Yeah. And what happens is there's two different types of tickets. There's working spots and there's audit spots. Each of us only has 12 working spots. So if you want to bring a dog to work with me, Larry, or Jay, the two guys, you can do that. So there are 36 of those. But the rooms always hold like 120 people. So there are audit spots or watching spots, we call them. So everybody gets a chance to watch all the training sessions because each of us is out for an hour and we just alternate. So there's tickets on all of our events, even though the working spots sold out. Some of them, they sell out in like a day. 
the audit spots are still open in, on all of our events. Do you uh, reward dogs when you're training with treats? Yes, I do. I do. I, uh, I'm a huge um, fan of using positive reinforcement. That exactly comes from my, that kind of comes from my marine mammal days. But uh, I developed a great bond with the dog. I developed a relationship, find out what that dog likes, find out what treat he likes, and then I incorporate that treat. And so um, I'll often use, you know, Bill Jack treats. And a lot of movie animal trainers in Southern California do the same thing. But we'll use the treat. We use the treat to train the behavior. If you never fade out the treat, your dog is only going to be working for the treat and only going to be working for a bribe. The art to dog training is to train the dog with the treat. Once the behavior is trained, now we start fading out the treat and incorporating tactile rewards, which is petting the dog, conditioning the dog to take those tactile rewards. As I mentioned, I just, I have her about four months. Her name is Tilly McGee, a nice Jewish name. Nice Jewish name. (laughs) The most wonderful animal. We all have the best dogs and none of us are wrong. We know that. Right. She is my companion and she is tree driven to the point where you know, I was walking her every two hours. And if she went outside, I would give her a treat because I didn't want her to go inside. But she was actually fake peeing and gave me a side eye thinking that I'm dumb enough that she's going to get a treat because she peed outside. I only now use it when she poops. We make a big deal about it. You know, when I get rid of it, you know, it makes my life easy because she goes about five times a day. That's great. You know, but you're right. Eventually, she has to do it just for my smile. Exactly. And that's the the whole goal to dog training is to, it's the art to dog training is to really find if you develop the love, develop the relationship with the dog, develop that bond where she really, really wants to please you. I mean, that's really what it's all about in working with a dog because the truth is, they really do want to please us. We just want to find a way to, to, to just kind of to hook that together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I take it to the dog park every day. That's great. You know, whatever, whatever works. I tell people whatever, whatever helps you and your dog with that relationship and helps that dog to enjoy and just really enjoy life. That's, that's what it takes. Very well trained because like I said, she's one and I'm much older. And if anything ever, God forbid, happened, not that it's going to, I wouldn't want that because she's a very sweet dog. When they found her at the shelter, she was in a cage outside, chained. She gets along with every dog and every person that she comes across. At the dog park, she is like a Jesse Ventura. She could take a dog down 10, 12 minutes. Doesn't matter their size. She's got moves. You know, they wrestle. The whole idea is they want to be chased. And Tilly uses a ball. She prances around. She shows every dog. She's got the ball to be chased. If that doesn't work, she bumps into him. It's like, it's, it's just amazing when you bring a dog to a dog park. I mean, I'm lucky enough. The one that I go to is like a mile down the road. So it, it is not a big deal. And my apartment is smaller, (laughs) you know, to, I don't want the dog to run around in the house. I want her to, and she is fast. We're talking four acres of dog park, but, she does need training. I met a gal at the dog park and the dog was maybe 30 feet away and she yelled heel and the dog ran to between her legs. I said, my gosh, how did you do that? She said where she lived in Texas, she had to do that. I don't know, you know, maybe there was cars around, but what are the tips? I need tips. <laughs> well, the first thing is I would tell you is when you see a dog like that person's dog, and with all those distractions, and that person 
has that control with that dog, the very first thing that person did when that person trained that dog, and what you need to do is train whatever she trained away from that environment. So get your dog really, really good at whatever behavior you want to train away from the environment where there are a lot of distractions. Get your dog solid. And once your dog is solid, now you can bring your dog into that environment. But the mistake that a lot of people make is what they'll try to do is they'll try to train a dog in that environment. And it's just too much. It's just way too much for the dog. Right. And so, so what I tell people is train the dog in your house, train it in a sterile area to where the dog really understands what to do, like the heel. I tell people all the time, if you're training your dog to heal, train your dog in the house to heal. Get your dog solid in the house with no distractions whatsoever. Now you can go in the front yard with a few distractions, but there's a foundation that's been laid. You know what I mean? Rather than just trying to train the heel outside from the very beginning with all the distractions. Well, my dog is so smart. She can knock pictures off the wall, but leave the nail. Yeah, that's funny. I want to talk about your books. The first book you have, the one about uh, what color is your dog? I figured Tilly is yellow, very calm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the what color is your dog? Your dog is one of five colors. And I wrote that book, the very first one, I wrote a series. The very first one came out in 2009. And uh, the reason I did it was because everybody, there are all these trainers that are out there that will tell you to train your dog a certain way. And this is, you know, and this and that. And, and what I always tell people, if you believe, if you truly believe that your dog needs to be trained a certain way, every dog needs to be trained a certain way, you don't understand dogs because every dog is different and every dog needs to be trained based upon their individual personality. So what I did is I separated dogs into five colors, red, orange, yellow, green, and blue. And so yellow, which you mentioned, yellow is the middle of the spectrum. The closer your dog is to the middle of the spectrum, the easier it is to train. So yellow dogs are in the middle. Now, some dogs are naturally yellow. You might get them from a shelter and they're just a really, really laid back dog. They're not too high strung. They're not too afraid. They're just right in the middle. Or they might have become yellow over the course of time because they were a green dog or, or, or an orange dog. So an orange dog is a dog that's going to be high strung. Okay. They're going to be, you know, barking, lunging, you know, just excited, not necessarily aggressive, but just high strung, just a lot of energy. And then we have a red dog, which is even more energetic. It's even than an orange. Okay. So oranges and reds are the warmer color dog. And then we have on the other side of the, end of the spectrum, we have a uh, next to a yellow, we have a green, which is going to be timid. They're going to be apprehensive, cautious. And then we have a blue dog, which is afraid of everything. You walk into a bed, he runs under a, a table. Yeah. And those are the cooler color dogs. And my whole philosophy is you would never train a cooler color dog like a warmer color dog. The way you walk, the way you talk, the way you move, the way you reward, the way you correct, the tools you use, everything you do is like night and day between the cooler color dogs and the warmer color dogs. Unfortunately, there are still a few trainers out there that will go to tell you that you need to train every dog the same way. A good example is with cooler color dogs, they need motivation. Okay. Chances are they don't need training collars. They don't need to be corrected for jumping up on people or barking or becoming aggressive or lunging. They don't have that in their nature, the cooler color dogs. The warmer color dogs, they do have that in their nature a lot of times. And so those are dogs we want to use those tools with if we need to use those tools. But it doesn't mean just because you're using a tool doesn't mean you're using it tomorrow. You might be using the tool today and be getting off the tool tomorrow. But the point is, is that the reason I wrote that book was because I wanted people to understand that every dog is different. But the cool thing about it is that as your dog begins to understand, your dog will move closer to the center of the spectrum. A red dog can become an orange dog 
an orange dog can become a yellow dog, a blue dog can become a green dog, and a green dog can become a yellow dog. Will a blue dog ever become a yellow dog? Probably not. And a red dog will probably not become a yellow dog. But if that red dog does become an orange dog, that's a good thing. And so, so that's why I really wrote the book. And that's what really, that's what we really talk a lot about, you know, the personalities. Well, she does pull, not all the time. A lot of times she'll pull to get someplace that she wants. Where I live, we make a decision when we walk out of the house, which way we're going to go. I mean, we do this five times a day. So we have to come to a meeting of the minds, which which place, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes during the day, early in the morning, 6, 630, I'm not looking to take a mile walk. I'm looking right. to have my coffee and she's looking for her breakfast. Exactly. But I do notice, and it's not all the time that she pulls, but she's strong. So that's one thing we have to nip. But what I do notice is she does look at me when we walk. She reads me like I read her because we're in this together. And I noticed after the other book on color, you also wrote one, Rituals. Now, what is that about? That's the newer one. And that book came out a couple of years ago. And I wanted people to understand what a ritual was with, you know, rituals with dogs are kind of rituals with people. There are habits, there are things that people do that you will do because you become conditioned to doing them over and over again. A ritual is, uh, you know, I might get up every morning and I might, cook breakfast at, you know, 7.30, like every morning. I make make coffee. Well, I do. I make coffee every morning when I get up. Then I'll have breakfast at 7.30. And then I will go, I work out every night at probably about five o'clock. You know, those are rituals. Those are things that I do over and over again. And dogs have rituals too. There are rituals that they will, will do. And the only thing with their rituals are with a dog's ritual, there are some times that dogs will have a ritual that, you want to build on, or they will have a ritual that's starting to develop that you want to get rid of. A good example is if you're training dogs for narcotics detection or agility dogs, or you want to create drive and energy, if a dog is energetic and there are things that you can do to build that energy, that's what you want to do with those dogs. You're going to do things, anything you can, toys, whatever it is, just to create that drive because that's what you want for that dog. But more times than not, when people have a private party dog and they have a dog that's jumping up on people, maybe barking and lunging and, you know, pulling, pulling and just all excited and everything like that. Well, those are rituals. Those dogs end up playing out. And those rituals are not rituals we necessarily want to build on. The people that train for agility and narcotics, you know, we built on that ritual. That particular ritual we want to get rid of. Okay. And the reason I wrote that book was because I show people how to get rid of some of those rituals that the dogs have built up, whether it's fear, and a lot of it's fear, and uh, it could be based on fear, it could be excitement, it could be whatever it is. And so so that's what rituals is all about. So you just say no. I would say no to her if she does that. Well, the thing is, no is fine, but unless there's something paired with no, no means absolutely nothing to a dog. So if you just say no to a dog or say a word, and there's no... Exactly. So a good example is if you're, if you got your dog on a collar, a flat collar, okay, and you're walking and every time your dog goes in front of you starts, I'm talking like one step in front of you, you make a move 180 to your right, just go turn 180 to your right. And then, and you go and the dog has to, the dog has to go with you. I mean, you're not using a training collar. It's just a flat collar. Okay. A buckle collar. Okay. If you do that over and over again, that dog's going to start watching you going, I got to start watching her because she might start going 180. I don't know which direction she's going to go. Well, that's how you train your dog to heal because you want the dog to understand. It's like, hey, I might go left 
I might go right. I might do a full revolution to the left. I might do one 360 degree full revolution to the right. You're never going to know what I'm going to do. But if you can do that, now what happens is you break things up. If that dog had created a ritual of pulling, for example, you all of a sudden you become unpredictable. And now the dog has a reason to follow you and watch you because they're like, what's she going to do? Is she going to go left? Is she going to go right? Is she going to turn but around? I keep tilling on her toes. That's exact, and that's what it is with dogs, and that's what you need to do. Is you need to be, you know, people talk about alpha and keep, you know, being in charge and things like that. Being in charge is by you making decisions on on things you do. It's not necessarily you talking to the dog or yelling at the dog. It's just decisions you do. You feeding the dog. You watering the dog. You're taking decision to walk the dog. Everything you do, whatever decision you make, that's you being in charge. Yeah, she she doesn't uh she's very quiet about letting me know when she has to go out. She doesn't bark. You know, I just happen to notice her body language and I'll ask her, let's go for a walk, let's go out. Ears perk up, she's ready. That's how she lets me know. I've missed some opportunities. I didn't get her as a, a little puppy, I got her as a big dog. Sure. So, you know, and that can also also be a really good thing to be. I tell people all the time too. you know, because some people say, well, I wish I would have raised the dog. And it's like, not necessarily. I mean, sometimes I've seen some really great dogs come out of shelters that I've gotten from the shelter that were, I've gotten some really, really good dogs that, you know, five and six years old that have absolutely no training on them whatsoever. No, she's when the first time I met her, she did sit for a treat and she did only her left. She gave me her left paw to shake. Yeah. From the first time I met her, I met her on a Saturday. They neutered her. I picked her up on a Tuesday. We looked at each other on the drive home like, where the heck are we going? And it's been the best thing to ever happen to me. It really is like our ritual is when we get up in the morning, I take her immediately out. I hit the button for my coffee. We come in and I say, Tilly, pick out a toy. And, you know, she has these big butcher bones because she's a Terminator. She eats everything. So the only thing that she could really play with that she won't swallow, because, you know, after I had her for uh, a couple of weeks, she got into all my vitamins. And she, oh, wow. yeah. So, you know, three x-rays later, she's on probiotics for every meal. So oh that goes in her colon, goes right out. You know, she suffered from pica. You know, first it was rocks. Now we're away from rocks. They say that happens a lot when they're chained up for long periods of time. You know, mm -hmm. boredom. Yeah. You know, but she also could be a drug dog. She has an unbelievable sense of smell. It's just amazing. Her nose goes up. You know, they. I heard that there's an event that you could train your dogs to uh, identify herbs like asparagus or tarragon you know to, i mean they need a job i don't want to sit by the fireplace because i don't have one so yeah. she's got a you know she looks forward to going to the dog park she's friendly with all the dogs even if she just runs around between she and i and the ball i spend a lot of time with her you know yeah so that's the key it's different than when we were kids and our parents got us a dog you know yeah. it, she's my plus one yeah you know, exactly. I, I'm thrilled with her. So for our listeners, if there was like five or six things that you would help somebody with training, what would they be like to nip something right in right away? Like you said, well, the, the one thing I tell people over and over again, it's always something I've said 
from the very beginning. And it's, um, I think I, with my first dog training video, I did in 1989 at the Hollywood dog training program it was an infomercial. We sold like about a half a million of these things. And one of the things that I tell people over and over again, that you need, all dogs are different. All their personalities are different and your personality is different. No personalities are going to be exactly the same. And your relationship with your dog is dictated on your personality and your dog's personality. It's that chemistry and that's unique. And no other dog and person are going to have that combo. And you need to look at that relationship that you have and build on that relationship and find things that triggers and things that your dog enjoys. And when you find things that dog enjoys, whether it's just being around other dogs, around people, treats, sleeping in certain areas, whatever it does, if you can incorporate as many things that dog likes, that's the most important thing. You really, really want to build on that relationship. Okay. And so that doesn't, that's not even a training thing. It's just a relationship. But when you do that, you create the bond. And then the second thing I would say is any professional dog trainer will tell you, I mean, they might disagree with certain things, but one thing they will say is, is that the dog is the one animal that wants nothing more than to be your friend. They want to be your friend. They want that relationship. So what we just talked about before is developing that relationship and that bond and that trust. Now you've got a dog that really, really is into you. And when your dog is into you, guess what? As you start to train your dog, now training is going to be 100% easier because you have a dog that wants to please you. If you have a dog and you're working with treats, if you have a dog that doesn't really care about working, it doesn't really care about you, can you train the behaviors? Yes. But will it be much easier on a dog who really wants to please you and really wants to treat? It's going to be way easier with that dog. So build on the trust, build on the relationship. And then as we start training the dog, as we get into training sessions, the third thing I would tell people is length of sessions, one to two minute sessions. I tell people, keep it short and sweet. Leave a dog wanting more. If you have your dog do a few behaviors, give your dog a few treats he really likes and you stop, that dog's like, whoa, 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 wait, wait. I can't believe this is over with. It's like, yeah, it's over with right now. We're going to go back and do it again. Well, I can't wait to do it again. That's what you want. You want that dog to have that type of mentality rather than taking your dog out for 20 minutes, doing a training session, frying the dog to where the dog mentally is just like, okay, I'm just done with this whole thing or dog quits or whatever is confused. Do you think that dog wants to come out for another training session? So it's not going to want to come out. So the third thing I tell people, like I said, is just really about a length of sessions, keeping it short and sweet. The fourth thing I would tell people is to is end every training session on a positive note. We talked about making it fun for the dog, but if you end everything on a positive note, now what ends up happening is that dog has every reason, every reason to want to come back out sooner because he's like, oh my gosh, this was so great. Really, really super important. Those are the four things I really, really talk a lot about. And as far as, you know, commands, come, sit, stay, stay would be important. And, you know, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, basically, if you are going to train just a few behaviors, the come behavior is really important because if dog goes running out the front door, you want a dog to come to you. So you need to use a long line, long training line, training your dog to come, really, really super important. So the long training line is a big, big tool. I would incorporate, encourage everybody to, to get that if you are training, if you're just training a dog. And then to sit, sit is a neutral position. And if, if the rear end is on the ground, more times than not, the dog can't move and then stay. I tell people all the time, the stay is an important behavior. Real briefly, people have problems with the stays because they step back. And uh, when they're happy with their dog staying, they go, okay, good boy. And they call the dog. And where does dog get rewarded? The dog gets rewarded for coming to you. And I'm like, well, if the dog only gets rewarded for coming to you, why would the dog ever want to stay in one place? This is why people's dogs break that stay position. But if you walk in and reward your dog for staying 70% of the time, 
and 30% of the time you call your dog to you, do you think your dog would be more likely to stay? Absolutely, because 70% of the time you're walking and rewarding your dog for staying. So as a movie animal trainer, that's one thing I learned doing that because everything happens on the set. So if it all happens on the set, walk and reward your dog on the set to make the set even much more positive. Now, I always like to ask my guests, how many dogs do you have at this time? One. Okay. What kind of dog? A shelter? He's a Havanese. He's on the cover of my uh, couple of my books. He's on the Rituals cover, actually. All right. Well, that's great. You have CDs that you want us to get? I have DVDs. Um, people can go to my website and be, you know, pick it, you know, get DVDs. So um, we have those on my website. And um, and then, of course, we got the books. We've got Alternative Training Collar. I patented a training collar for dogs called the Alternative Training Collar about 11 years ago. I'm using the Martindale, but I've gotten every collar out there I've gotten. If, you know what? I tell people all the time, even though I patented my collar, hey, whatever collar works for you, if that's what's working for you and you like it, that's great. I always tell people, you know, I'm not here. I don't, you know, get out to pitch my collar. It's like if somebody wants to use it, I'd really rather people use a collar they like rather than use, you know, a collar that they're using because, you know, it's me or whatever, you know, and stuff like that. So really, really encouraging people to use the right collar and um, as if you need to train your dog. But just remember, it is a tool. And there's an expression called it's the fool, not the tool. So it's a lot of times, you know, when people are not using a, a training tool the right way, it's that person on the other end of the leash that doesn't know how to use that tool. So you want to make sure that, you know, you you really understand what you're doing when you're using and even a flat collar, if you are correcting with a flat collar and things like that, too. And then, you know, using treats and people that, you know, as I said, people that know me know that I've been feeding Bill Jack food, using the treats for many, many years for a lot of movie animal trainers, as I said, use them as well in Hollywood. But using treats, find something the dog likes use that treat to train the behavior. And when the behavior is consistent and the behavior is trained, now you can start fading out the treat and start increasing. And that's why I'm very popular at the dog park because I always have treats and I walk around with a poop bag. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Well, everybody should walk around the poop bag. <laughs> <laughs> They're good for other things too, you know. Yes. I really want to thank you for coming on. Sure. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Write more books. Come on more. You're delightful. Thank you so much. It's always positive. I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank Joel for coming. I want to thank my producer, Mark. And we'll see you next time. Remember to live life unleashed. Bye, everybody. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.